else. No, no, that's it. She put me in an erotic flutter because I just kind of want to see her dead. Food Beta, Gamer Escapes Podcast, bringing you the biscuit on all things Final Fantasy XI news, community, and more. My name is Vivi. I'm Moroku. And we just had a version update. Pretty soon after the last one, too. Like, those, are you talking about the follow-up one that always comes after updates? Does that really count? <laughs> no, not, not the emergency maintenance. So it's that be like three updates in the press of one? <laughs> sort of, something like that. Uh... Shall we just get right into the news? Well, uh, yeah, there's, there's less of that, I think. And we can just sort of be like, hey, this is going on. So, so news before we get into the version update and Death Tracker. Um, yes. There's a couple events happening, just happened. Um, the Double Salvage Drop campaign is starting July 17th through August 3rd. Now, why do you think they're doing this? Because there's no updates to salvage gear yet. Well, they did it at the same time last year, almost the exact same time actually, because uh, I was out of the, uh, I was out of California for uh, most of the duration of it uh, for various academic reasons and stuff. So I missed most of it, except for like the first two days. So I'm actually really glad they're doing this. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, because they had actually had it go on from I think it was uh, like the last week of May, and it went on through I think mid June the end of June or something like that or at the end of July it lasted for like more than a month which was awesome I think this is about the same time roughly maybe yes, it, it is yes yeah, it's, it's about two weeks it's um, yeah. July 17th to August 3rd so so get your double salvage drops yes Mog Bonanza numbers have been picked. Did you anything anything this year? Um, I think I got a couple of rank fives. I got nothing in cool. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, also coming up is, or actually just started, is the July 2014 login campaign. And new to this one is another trust NPC, which is Star Civil. Uh, what? Star Sybil. Why? Because she does nothing. She does nothing. She complains, and she has rich, sort of tiny religious figurehead problems, where it's like, oh, I'm going to completely ban summoning magic because I don't understand the fundamental, you know, science behind it. Where, oh, hey, my ex-boyfriend, spoiler alert, uh, he died summoning the actual manifestation of a god instead of the image of it, so I'm just going to completely ban it without actually figuring it out. Yeah, but she's got cool hair. Okay, fine. I will give you that. (laughs) I just don't like her as a character. I mean, it would Uh, be... I'm fine with that. Yeah, she always is... uh, She's one of those characters who doesn't seem to have a bright side. Um, Yeah. Despite her name being Star. See what I did there? Yeah. If you do obtain her, I believe uh, she doesn't actually fight in battle. She's like Sakura or the Moogle and gives you a latent... Or not latent, but just a passive... Um, magic attack and magic accuracy bonus, I think. I know magic yeah. attack. I forget what the other one is. See, she sits in the back and she makes you so angry that your spells actually do more because you imagine the mobs to be here while you're nuking. I think you've got some issues you need to iron out with her. I really do. Also, my disco nap kind of failed, so... <laughs> fun. For those of you that don't know, uh, Fridays, I generally have a very, very poor sleeping schedule when we record. Uh, we record uh, Saturday mornings. 
So if I'm a little cranky or a little bit, how should I put it, scrappy, then yes, that might be why. But also, I just really, really hate Star Civil, and I've been having this bottled up since she was announced. So, well, yes. Uh, that takes us into Death you know Tracker Jones. You know, know what I don't hate, though? What? Baby Geekrin and Sheep. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about that in one second as we get into Dev Tracker Gems uh, and slash noteworthy update things. So there's a lot of um, stuff to talk about in the update and some of it was added to or revised in the Dev Tracker. So we're just going to all put that in the same section this week. So, version update. Monster Rearing, a.k.a. Back on the Ranch, is now available in Mog Gardens. And have you tried this out? I kind of forgot to read that link when I was making the outline. So, you can explain it while I try to make myself extraordinarily well-read on the subject. <laughs> so, you, you haven't tried it, I take it? No. Okay, so what, what this is, is basically, when you go to your mod garden, uh, as long as I think things are rank 4 or above, you will get a cutscene involving a baby keycurn. Or, I guess not baby, but like he's definitely a kid because like a chibi Kikrin. Yeah, well, he, he's he's a child Kikrin. I think his name is Chechurun, and he he is the other Kikrin's son, the one who works in the garden, and he has. Um, I guess uh, an interest in, in racing uh, monsters to be friendly and work with you, or, or I forget his specific motivation behind wanting to raise monsters, but he does. I will keep the spoiler free, but you are in for a tear-jerking cutscene if you start this quest. Oh, somebody dies, don't they? I'll leave. I won't say a word. Is uh, it Lion King status? I bet it's totally Lion King status. It's... Who's the Jafar? Is it Jafar? No. Scar. That's it. They both end with an R sound. There's actually not so much a villain as much as it's more of like a facts of life type, like when a sitcom gets serious type moment. Oh, so it's kind of like the... Actually, no, I'm not going to make that joke because that's a little dark even for me. You're welcome. <laughs> So anyway, so the, the mechanics involved in this, uh, keep storyline aside, basically you can have a little pet that you raise, which involves a lot less work than raising a chocobo, but it's sort of similar in that you can interact with it a couple of times each Earth Day, uh, and that will affect certain things like um, if you choose, I think, the active parenting style, then you have to kind of keep up with it. And if you ignore it uh, and or do things to it it doesn't like, uh, like you have options to slap it or poke it or yell you loudly at it. it. Oh my god! <laughs> or get real angry. Yeah, there's only a couple of nice things you can do to it. Then it will lash out, and what will happen is if it gets too upset, it will actually stampede the mog garden and ruin whatever crops you were growing or whatever, and cause problems for you. And then you will have the option of either sending it back home or putting it down. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> That's incredible. I'm so interested in this now. <laughs> um, however, if you treat it nicely and you give it a name that it likes and you feed it and pet it and... Are just... That right there is childish. Oh, I don't like that my name is Marvin. Yeah. Grr, I'm going to act out. Uh, but if you do nice things to it, then uh, it can sometimes yield you uh, 
items, which thus far sound just like crafting things mostly, but who knows, you know, Mod Garden kind of, I think, surprises everybody every once in a while when, like, a pandemonium key shows up on the beach or something like that, so... Have you gotten a key? I haven't, no, but I, I know that it is one of the possible drops. I've gotten, like, sky items a lot. I've gotten, um, is it Savory Shank that's the HQ pop? Yeah. I've got, like, three of those. From Mod Garden? Yeah. That's crazy. Like most Mod Garden stuff, it's probably just worth doing. It t- doesn't take a whole lot of time. Yeah. And it's, it actually is pretty fun. Like, they added some, they're not, um, they're not emotes, but they're, like, uh, icons that float above your head. Like, you know when the, the light bulb goes off when you use one of the skillet books or you do the, the scholar job emote? Yes. Um, there's a couple of new ones for that where, you know, if you do something it doesn't like, it gets like a little scratchy dust cloud above its head. Or like if you do something it likes, like some hearts float up. And... That's adorable. Yeah, that's pretty fun. So check it out. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Right now, you can raise a sheep, which actually has its own baby sheep 3D model that's unique to Maw Garden. And then you can also raise a rabbit or a, what's the other one? A sapling. And those are just normal looking mobs, but they start off small and they can grow to adults. I, I would, for one, really like having a giant tree and just kind of stampeding around my mod garden. Because I find that hilarious. <laughs> that would be funny. I, I think I would, I would love a tree and as a mount, I think. Because I feel as though <laughs> it would probably be the greatest thing ever. That would be awesome. Uh, right now I'm raising a rabbit and I collected items from it the other day and it gave me dung. So. Oh my god, your rabbit is me. Well, probably. I couldn't find a use for that, and it would be funny if there isn't actually one. Uh, it says that it's a pungent fertilizer, but I couldn't use it on the, the furrow, so I don't know. You know, I would not be surprised if there was um, some kind of something like alchemy where it's like, hey, you're going to be able to use this in like pots, but not in like the actual mod garden itself, because yeah. hey, that makes total sense. It is uh, Final Fantasy XI. Yes. Um, the rules are made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> Other things added in this update, new higher tier mission battlefields have been added, and those include the Shadow Lord and Heedwind, which is the Shikari fight in Boneyard Gully. Mm. Um, and have I have you done either of them? I have done the Shadow Lord one. I did it solo on very easy on Rune Fencer, and I won. Cool. Uh, it doesn't look like he does anything new. new. Yeah, okay. other than casting higher tier uh, fire spells. But it's the same old thing. There's two phases. You know, the first phase he alternates between. Is mag- that weird pause in the middle of the fight when he switches between the magic and physical stuff? It's it's not a pause, but he does what looks like a two-hour ability, and you yeah. see see the sword go from like glowing to his his hand glowing. Yeah. That's during the first phase, and that's when he switches between physical and magical. Well, no, I meant like you know how in the uh, the first uh, the mission fight where it pauses to the jury where it's like, hey, here's like a little cutscene where it's like, oh, it's very physically looking. Yeah. Shift thing. So. Yeah. No, there okay. is that. There is the the cutscene in the middle. <laughs> Cool. And then um, I found it to be exceptionally easy. I mean, it was on very easy, but not a whole lot of things I'm able to actually solo on very easy as far as the higher tier battlefields are concerned. And maybe that's just due to the fact that Rune Fencer is well suited for that particular fight. Yeah, because um, I was looking at a couple and I haven't um, had the chance to do it yet, but at uh, Shadow Lord, I probably definitely couldn't do the sister fight. 
the um, so here's here's the thing. I haven't been able to confirm this, but I have heard that on difficult or very difficult, there is a chance that the Shadow Lord will actually drop Umbral Marrows. I had heard that too, which I don't know. Like I think. I actually don't mind it because ADL is kind of a pain. Yeah, at this point, I don't mind it either, and I'm even in a link shell that does ADL twice a week, and that's how yeah. we make most of our gill. But um, I mean, it, it's not a guaranteed drop, and it's still more efficient to farm ADL. You know, if you're looking to make gill, or if you simply want the marrows, and you have you know four or five friends that can help you with it. Um, right. Because that is a guarantee. You you beat ADL, you're going to get at least one, maybe two marrows. But there's no guarantee that you'll get even one from this one. And it's like, you know, maybe a 25, 30 minute fight. And then plus the time it takes to farm the merits for it. So right. I'm okay with that. If You know, it, even yeah. if it's true and he can, even if he can drop two, I'm, I'm cool with that. I have also heard that if you do Fiat Lux in the past, right now, during the campaign campaign. <laughs> um, Shadow, See, I had, Shadow I had Lord heard that. Can do that. I had heard that um, the Fiat Lux, I wasn't sure if they were mixing up the Fiat Lux and the Shadow Lord fight at all. I'd heard both, so okay. I don't I don't know. Let us know. Honestly, uh, honestly I'm kind of surprised that they haven't input, um, I guess because it's a campaign up and it's not released, I mean, they can have like a hard mode or whatever, but I'm actually quite surprised that uh, they haven't input um, some kind of fight of uh, the hard mode Fiat Lux because nobody really ever got to do that. Yeah, uh, that might be coming. You never know. So that's fun. So that is that. Um, yes. Job adjustments. Some important job adjustments. Oh, such glorious, yeah. glorious job adjustments. So a couple interesting things. Uh, first of all, the big one is Red Mage got a bunch of new spells, yeah, therefore they, making they, it useful they, again. <laughs> more useful, I would say. I think that once they started making it so their debuffs actually landed on monsters, as opposed to the Age of Abyssia with no enfeebling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the, the biggest newsworthy one is Haste 2, which increases your magical haste to a maximum of 30%. Oh, it's so amazing. I haven't even tried it yet. Have you? No, I'm actually running around buying spells right now. Because <laughs> I'm never on Red Mage. Uh, I just didn't think about it this week. In addition to Haste 2, Distract, which reduces physical evasion, and Distract 2. From what added. I hear, Distract 2 is super potent. Yeah, I've heard that as well. Yeah. Similarly, so. they've removed the evasion down effect from gravity. So gravity is now simply to reduce movement speed, in case you were wondering. Frazzle, which reduces magical evasion, and Frazzle 2 were added. And Flurry and Flurry 2 increases uh, party members' ranged attack speed. So it's basically like haste for rangers and corsairs. And ninjas that use throwing items, which is... Everybody, obviously. I know where you've been. Which is my friend on my server who plays ninja. And that's it. <laughs> I know. Um, oh, wow. And Blue Mage got the ability to learn three more spells. Erratic Flutter. Which is Haste 2. It's, it, is, last, it is uh, Haste 2. It wasn't in the update notes, but um, Matsui confirmed it in the freshly picked Havana deal. Yeah, and I believe it's five minute duration, something like that. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, um, fun fact also, I'm sorry. Hang on. 
these uh, the three of these spells actually give uh, their own trait. Keep talking, actually, while I look for this, but to draw it out because the traits that these spells give is actually really quite good. Uh, so the other the other two spells are Thrashing Assault, which is a fourfold physical attack with a 60 second recast time, and Subduction, which deals wind damage to enemies within the area of effect. And additional effect is weight on that. There's one other uh, note from the dev tracker, and this is aside from the version update. So this isn't included in this version update, but for a future one coming soon, blue magic, physical blue magic, will be receiving adjustments to increase their strength based on even more physical attack properties, which include songs, rolls, and food, which I guess currently it's not the case. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, it, like the way that blue magic is calculated, and if this comes off as incorrect, please email us at petfoodbeta at gamerscape.com. Uh, please email me if we're wrong. But um, the way blue magic usually works, from what I understand, is that uh, so you've got your base stat or whatever the spell modifier is, so it's like strength or interdex or whatever. And that's calculated with a bunch of numbers. And there's also this thing called blue magic attack, which is based off of your uh, magic skill, your blue magic skill, which is fine. But the thing is, is that since blue magic skill has such a high um, effect in the blue mage formula for um, your damaging spells, it's still more beneficial to do uh, weapon skills and stuff before they added the updated um, AF stuff in the AF plus one body. That was, I think, what, 75, something like that? Mm-hmm. 74, it was still better to do um, your spells in something with a high amount of blue magic than it was to do it in um, a high amount of stat moment. So um, if they're making it so, hey, your spells can be affected by, say, chaos roll or, um, you know, freaking, uh, I guess it would be, do they do triple minuet? I don't know. I don't play with bards that often. Is that a thing? What? Triple minuet. Is that a thing? I don't think so. I think. Well, there you go. If they're affected by that, it could be really, really cool. Because that would mean that they're probably changing the entire formula. Yeah. And they already said they're making it stronger, so. Yeah, I mean, I was... It was my blue mage. I think is it's maybe not top top geared, but it's it's up there. I've got full plus one AF one and some of the, some of the relic stuff. Um, and two, you know, I level one nineteen weapons. And um, I did a delve run with my link shell. And granted, I was with a bunch of rangers who are uh, you know top top of the line rangers. But I was doing such little damage compared to them. It was like laughable, you know, and I was I was kind of surprised that I was doing such little damage because I was decked out pretty well. Like my blue mage is, is pretty well geared, but it just comes down to the fact that like they had all these other buffs that weren't affecting me. <laughs> right. <laughs> pretty much, you know, and I wasn't, um, you know, hitting the mob directly. I was standing back and, and using dart mostly because it's dangerous to uh, get right up on some of those. Yes. And I can't find this. this okay, well, we crazy. can talk about the, yes, the general idea, which is um, that the newer Blue Mage spells, um, most of them grant a individual job trait just by equipping one, uh, which is some of the, the benefit of using uh, the newer spells. I found it. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay, I found it. So, um, Thrashing Assault which was uh, the physical spell of uh, damage. Uh, do you want to give me a better intro so we can edit it in, or are we good? Uh, no, just go, go for it. Okay. Do, 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 do. Okay. So, Thrashing Assault, uh, standalone spell, uh, seven set points, gives double attack. 
uh, subduction standalone spell uh, for six set points gives fast cast and there's one more which was erratic flutter and that just straight up gives you magic attack bonus that's cool yeah for six so one of the, one of the things that's interesting about blue mage i think right now it's it, it's it's on its way to becoming a pretty power like pretty good powerhouse um one of the things that is blue mage has an advantage over other jobs is that with the job point system in my opinion blue mage wins hands down with, oh yeah with the Big stuff time. that you can that you can do so if you don't know with blue mage one of the job point categories is uh, blue magic point or available spells that you can set so for every increase you get an extra point and i've increased it three times already i think yeah which already has made a huge difference it's like you gain you can gain like according to this thing you can gain like potentially three more traits you know um oh yeah well i think the cool thing about um the blue spell point stuff is that i mean even right now i think i've got whatever the base is at 75 so it's like 60 maybe is that at 55 I don't know what it is, but I have whatever the base is um, before the job points. And, you know, like you've set like maybe one or two trash spells because you don't have enough points to put something really good on. But now you've got spells that give you really good traits, so you don't need to pair stuff up. But it just, it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, well, even one point, you think about that. Final Sting, I believe, is one point that gives you Zanshin on its own. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a whole lot of gear for Blue Mage that will get enhanced Zanshin effects. <laughs> yeah. Although, um, I do think it's a little bit um, frustrating because now that we have erotic, or er, not erotic, wow, sorry. <laughs> now that we have erotic. Uh, yeah. That's the name of the show, Erotic Flutter. <laughs> I am a pro with this, apparently. Just, you know, anything involving insects and sex, just, there you go. Microorganisms, crabs, VD, whatever. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Shoot. Right, but uh, no, since we've got um, erratic flutter now, um, it means that we don't have to set... Uh, What's the animating whale, I think? Yeah, animating whale, which is a part of the dual wield combo. And so it means that we're giving up dual wield three for haste two. So that could be frustrating. No. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Corsair. Yes. Uh, this is awesome. Corsair's role will now affect capacity of point gains, which are typically a, a pain to get. So that's cool. A, a, a new use for Corsair role. This will be nice. Yes. Um, Puppet Master automatons equipped with the Storm Waker head are now able to use haste too. Groovy, groovy. Uh, Geomancer <laughs> uh, will no longer crash the server. Yeah. <laughs> it was the best, like, resolved issues comment. It was like, resolved an issue where Geomancer using indie closure spells getting charmed would crash the server. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. Oops. Well, I mean, like, they've had, like, I think from what I understand, it was from people trying to dispel the buff off the boss or something like that. It had to do with, like, the fact that, like, the buff couldn't be dispelled, I think, if I remember reading the thread right. And, uh... It just sort of seems like, you know, like, I mean, there were mobs that have traits just as they exist. So you wouldn't think it would be that big of a difference, but apparently it is. So, yeah, whoopsie. So that was fixed. But also Geomancer gets Indie and Geo Haste with Haste. Yeah, Haste. I almost said Haste too, but it's Haste. Um, but it stacks with all versions of Haste yes. because it's Geo. 
and it sounds amazing. And you can get all of these amazing spells, um, except for the blue magic spells, uh, from the following NPCs. And I'm going to botch these names because you did not spell them out phonetically for me like I would usually have oh, done. Oh, let me try. Because <laughs> I have no problem offending people. And these guys are fictional, so I will just totally butcher them on purpose. I know how you're going to pronounce this one. Do you? Yes. Okay. So Thoglima is in Selbina at H9, and she sells Flurry, although it might be a Galka, so it could be a he. It's, Don't judge. It's actually, the L is before the G, so I was anticipating you were going to pronounce this as No, I have some degree of taste. Thank you for bringing the show down into the gutter, you sick, sick individual. I don't even know why I work with you. Good God. Then we have Taya... Padule in Mahura at G9 that sells distract and frazzle. And there is Manzuro Uzuro in Tavnasia, which sells distract to and frazzle to. Now, how does Tavnasia get these spells? Um, I would assume that they were bitter against Juno and they were holding these for years. And they're like, hey, so pay attention to us. Because <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually bought a spell from Tavnasia. So, and then there's. Levy Rikus in Western Adlin that sells Haste 2 and Flurry 2 at H5. And Yuke Aline, yeah, that seems right, in Western Adlin at H5 that sells Indie Haste. Uh, and then Geo Haste is somewhere in the world. Right. Adventure. Uh, the other stuff that was um, changed in this update was that Alter Egos can now be called fourth while level synced. So whoever's level syncing, that's good news. Um, and Alter Egos can now be used in the following Outergon missions, Black Coffin, Shield of Diplomacy, and Puppet in Peril. So that's also good news if you're going back and doing those missions. Mm-hmm. Which um, I had, I didn't try it in the eye-level days, but I remember at, I think, even like level 90, 90 cap or so, uh, Black Coffin could be a little tricky because you have to keep the NPC alive, I think. Yeah, I think, um, if I remember right, Treasures had to... They, they were the physics agent that really utilized having NPCs in the fight to the... Yeah. yeah. Most of the fights had NPCs in them. Right, because I like they introduced it back in freaking Zillard stuff. So, yep. yeah. Man, anyway. the, the second to last one, I remember trying to solo a bunch of times and couldn't do it because... Um, is it Naja who's with you on that one? I think it is. Uh, there's... Was Naja? Yeah, Naja's with you on that one. She kept aggroing all of the the gears. Lol. Uh, salvage has also undergone the following adjustments. The number... <sighs> the number of gear family monsters that spawn in Buffalo... Buffalo? Yes. Remnant 2 and Drop Alexandrite has been increased. Yeah, there's a part also, I think it's in a different section. I think it's down like item related or something. But salvage cells stack now also. <laughs> now. <laughs> now they stack. So thank you for implementing that finally. Because, you know, a year after the initial sort of salvage drop campaign, which I guess that's actually only for salvage too, but still, grr, shaking my fist at you, I see. 
rabble, 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 rabble. Um, other things that were adjusted are that the unlocking myth line of quests, where you have to complete the or to unlock the mythic weapon skills on just the regular item, uh, has been changed so that it is as if you've already made it to floor 100 in, in Nizel, regardless of how many you've actually completed. It says that the number of skill chains required to complete this has been changed. Has it always been skill chains or weapon skills? It, it's probably a mistranslation, but it's always been um, weapon skill points. Okay. So, so it would increase with skill chains, right? Yes. Yeah. So I think like a tier three gives you like five or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, some other notes. The effects of slow will now work properly on certain enemies residing in Adeline areas where auto attacks are area of effect. So that includes like the Matamatas and the um, those big crabs and gotcha. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The animation effects of Gekaichi and Yainichi have been modified. Okay. Some blue magic text has changed. Some other stuff that's not that interesting. <laughs> Item related. Yeah, I went through and I was like, oh, this seems like it could be nice. Uh, certain stuff stacks. Now, ammunition that has Raskinar in its name. Looks like price for potions selling or nerfed. You can mine and commuter drifts now. Uh, there's some synergy stuff with the UI, and there's something with monstrosity, right? Yeah, just some some minor tweaks to, yeah. to that stuff. Um, did you want to go in depth with the synthesis stuff at all, or no? Uh, yeah, I, I did want to touch on it at least because okay. it's significant. Um, so synergy now has an addition. Well, it had the additional menu item before. Now it has an additional interface where you can favorite. Um, um, up to 10 recipes for quick resynths. Um, it's not quite all that I was hoping it would be, and maybe they're still working on it. Um, I was hoping for more of like a recipe book type interface, mm. but this is okay for now. You know, uh, I think it's it's more practical to people who for people who craft a lot or are skilling up in those higher uh, ranges mm. where there may or may not be items available for the one that you want to skill up on, so you have to synth something else. Uh, basically, what what this is is like it looks just like your item list, except there's a star next to some of these. And as you synth an item, it will get populated in that list. If you favorite it, uh, it'll gain a star next to its name, and it will be prevented from being bumped out of that list when as you synth other things. Home points have been added to the following areas. Yeah, Eula Ground Range, um, like 500 locations there. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Ottawa Chasm, Soja, uh, Newton Movopolis. Newton. Um, the Rivern. Yeah, A1. Um, Altau. I've never said See. that out loud. Altau? Altau. Yeah. Altau, uh, the Grand Palace of Huzoi. Yeah. And the Garden of Ruhmet. Um, so I'm wondering why they added some of these, like Ground Range, that added five of them. Is that simply just to make it easier to get around that zone? It could be. It's pain to get around that zone regularly. Yeah, I it hate is. that zone. Went there for my cure clogs, never looked back. Um, and on a related note, they've also added survival guides, which if you don't remember, those are um, books that are usually located at outposts. 
that you can also warp between. Um, this, I think, is really useful because, I mean, they added them to the cities. They added them to the cities? Yeah. Look, see, there it's Northern Sindoria, Bastic Mines, Port Windy, and Rulud. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, yeah. And that's got Garliage, which I th- I'm willing to bet that it's probably like behind one of the gates or so right there. Could be. I mean, yeah, I mean, because if you look at those, uh, three of those places are really nice leveling up places now. Mm-hmm. So that could be really cool. So, yeah, I, I'm wondering, I mean, I guess it could just be a quality of life thing, like make it easier to get to places. Um, but it seems yeah. like, I don't know, some of those places, do you really need to get to? Or maybe you will need to be get to them in the future. I could see a hard mode uh, Diablos uh, coming. Oh, that would be great. That would That'd be fun. No, I would love for them to go back and do uh, hard mode avatars all over again, because they had the Waking the Beast quest, mm-hmm. which gave them um, some really nice weapons, actually. But uh, nothing really sort of came after that. So, um, yeah, did you ever fight Carbuncle Prime? Um, no, I never had the chance to. But I really, really wanted to, and I remember watching him. <laughs> here, I'm gonna date myself here. So I remember downloading a video because YouTube wasn't a common thing <laughs> back then, and it was a QuickTime video too, mind you. Of um, not a real player th- video. No, it was a QuickTime player video. So it was it was a real player. It might have been. I don't know. But it was of, I think it was 18 summoners, or it was well, like, uh, 15 summoners and three bards that went and did the Carbuncle Prime fight. And they were all in yin yang robes, and it was amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. It was so cool. The cutscene for that is pretty funny from what I remember. I did it like sort of recently, like within a, probably the past year. Don't tell me, because I, like, luckily the video, it was in, I think it was like 800 by 600, and I couldn't read the text box. So so yeah. the story for me is still perfectly not super spoiled yet. Okay. Although I'm pretty sure I know what happens. Yeah. It just sounds amazing. So it was good. Uh, okay. So just the last couple of items from this update. Uh, they changed the categories and comment under the search sub menu. <laughs> One of which because is those like are used. Yeah. Well, like they changed it to like they combined i think quest and mission and like added battlefield which is sort of useful um uh you know if we had a duty finder that is um duty and they added one which is hilarious which is a category for looking to make friends oh (laughs) so you can turn your your party flag on with and and add to your search comment looking to make friends you see i just stand on a corner with the change belt works out great for me uh they've added <laughs> you you put in the show notes uh the following text command has been introduced <laughs> which one exactly that's the challenge find out for yourself try all of them do you have any idea what it was um i think it was oh it was it was like either last synth or history synth or something i think it was either synth related or something i could pull up the notes but i just don't care that's okay uh we'll, yeah. we'll move to the next couple of things okay. they, they added a couple of usability improvements um using the follow text command will work now on invisible players in all areas um and they added a little loading icon in the upper right-hand corner of the screen next to your, like, where it says play online and your message count. It's kind of funny. I logged on after the update, and I didn't see that line. And so there's just, you know, some weird inventory bag flashing up there. And I was thinking, oh, crap, my stuff is glitching out. <laughs> no, it looks, it, you know what it looks like is, um, it's like a, a little circular loading icon that you see on more modern, you know, web apps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and it will uh, basically stay up there after you've zoned until your inventory has loaded, because after they added, you know, 500 million new forms of storage, uh, the loading time takes a little bit longer than it used to, and was a little bit annoying if you like zone into your mod garden and try to trade the portal moogle or something like that, and you you would have to wait. Now you can at least see when it's ready, you know, when the the menu the the items in your menu will be available. So that's cool. So I have a confession. Um, so somehow I don't know how. I filled up all of my inventory spaces again. <laughs> nice. Like, I I don't have this much gear. I've logged on maybe twice since they added the Mog wardrobe, but everything is 80 out of 80 now, and I don't know where the stuff came from, and I'm scared. Uh, I'm going to say Mog Gardens. Maybe. That's a quick way to fill up your inventory. Probably. Uh, all right. But yeah, that was a little So fun. a couple other things. Uh, resolved issues... Uh, there's some, I guess, attribute adjustments were incorrect for staff weapon skills and club weapon skills. Those were fixed. And there's a few known issues where in Mog Gardens, the graphics for the pond won't change when they level up. Ranks, wyverns will prioritize alter egos when using healing breath, which actually sounds like a feature, not a bug. Um, and in Pancration, the amount of jetons earned de- decreases with each successive victory after attaining a certain number of consecutive wins. What I want to know is how did they discover this, and do people even do Pancration? <laughs> I, I, it was kind of the obligatory lull note. Yeah. So... Uh, th- yeah. Another note is that merchants selling magical maps in Rabo will display visible macros in their sale dialogue rather than the amount of gil the maps actually cost. So the dev team is asking you to purchase your maps elsewhere. I don't know what that means, but it sounds weird. It probably means that like it takes multiple or like more gear. Wow, obviously gear more gil than you would sort of anticipate. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that's um, that's it for the dev tracker um, meta discussion. You've got um, you've got something in here. You want to run with us? Yeah. Okay. So I play a multitude of games, and I like strategy. However, a lot of times in newer games, there's strategy, and then there's gimmicks where you have to follow pretty much a set sort of pattern to beat a fight in the most efficient way possible with minimal death, minimal risk, yada, 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 yada. Final Fantasy XI was one of those games that, you know, you could pretty much deviate from any normal strategy uh, and then just go from there. I mean, nobody ever really thought that Kraken Club killing would be something that was mainstream for, you know, several years or uh, mana burning, for example, with Dynamis back in the day. However, or, um, do you remember, did you ever do Provenance Watcher? Uh, no, I didn't. Do you know what the strategy was? No clue. <laughs> so this was fun. So you remember how you, you used to be able to lock Bruce, uh, Primeval Bruce? Yeah. Um, the similar strategy was done in Provenance, for not just for Provenance Watcher, but for the, the three mini-bosses, mm-hmm. uh, where the Alliance would zone in, Mm-hmm. Um, everyone uh, would wait for the scholar to use um, tabula, Ra- tabula Rasa and Embrava, and as soon as they got Embrava, they would click on the entrance crystal to bring up a menu dialogue, which would then prevent Embrava from wearing. 
until oh. everyone else got all of got in Brava, and then the bards would two hour and do their uh, do all the songs and do the bard rotation, and then you would start the fight with like basically so you had the full duration of the two hour songs and the and Brava buffs until Square Enix took the locking mechanism out of it out right. of the game. Okay, so I knew that uh, people were using that for. Um like the Imperial weapons and stuff. I didn't know that they extended all the way to Providence Watcher. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Right. But uh, so you end up getting these really kind of out there and amazing strategies that, you know, are really sort of defined by the player. And depending on the proactiveness, let's call it, of the development team, they will either patch it and say, no, you can't do this, or, and this is for any game, mind you, they'll either patch it and say, no, you can't do this, this is the way the fight was intended, or they'll run with it, like ninja tanking. Ninja was supposed to be DD, but then, hey, we've got an ability that completely mitigate damage, we're going to turn into a tank, and you have a dev roll with it. Mm -hmm. So, what I'm wondering is, boss fights in games, uh, since they do have gimmicks, it creates an artificial difficulty. Where's the line drawn between a scripted fight and a difficult fight? And is predictability always bad? The same thing can be said for DPS checks as well as um, whatever the degree of recoverability could be uh, given to the players during that given fight. Should an entire group of people be forced to dance around a monster in an exact motion to avoid wiping the group? Like, I mean, you could have like fights like uh, Ixion, for example. Mm-hmm. Anybody remember Ixion? sad little pony that would run around and probably be I would say one of the better fights of the game because it had a good degree of randomness to it coupled along with um, the need for skill to be able to kill it in like a good amount of time then you get um, you know monsters like um, I think uh, actually no now that I think about it none of the monsters that I can think of in 11 had a set pattern they just had certain moves that they might use like one after another but nothing super uh, predictable exactly like the only thing I could think of would be like maybe AV where he'll pair certain two hours together but that's about it yeah but you still don't know which ones are gonna be with AV exactly I mean Pandemonium Warden yeah, that's a whole different show right there. Actually, if you look in the PFA archives, there's a really great show on Bandemonium Warden called How Long is Too Long? So, Which I think we've referenced on the past three episodes. Yeah, so check that out. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, like that one, you know, but that's just the rate at which his ads pop. So where does the line get drawn between a scripted fight and a difficult fight? I think, well... If we're talking about eleven, um, I well, think just like MMOs overall. I was thinking like eleven, mostly because I would say that's probably one of the more the least scripted MMOs fight wise. Yeah, that's what I was, I was going to say yeah. too. Like with with eleven, I feel like um, while there's definitely like certain certain things you could try that absolutely won't work, like bringing um, like if you're doing I don't know if you're doing delve. And you bring eighteen dancers. Chances are you're probably not going to win, right? You know, but um, within reason, there's a fair amount of variety that you can mix things up. Like you, even though people don't, you could bring dancers as some of your DDs because some of those mobs shift their immunities, you know, from different types of damage. Plus, dancer, you know, has the added benefit of um, some support. They can remove debuffs pretty well, so you'll you'll get advan- unexpected advantages from bringing you know uh 
a you know varied group in there, mm-hmm. which I like. I wish the player base would be a little more receptive to sometimes. Like take a blue mage instead of you know five monks. You know take take three monks, a blue mage, and a dancer, and see what happens. Chances are you'll you'll probably do all right. Like yeah, they might not be the top damage dealers, but you'll get the added support benefits from both of those jobs. Um, yeah. So that's what I think I always like about just how eleven is built. Mm. Um, and but I also understand in other games the need the necessity to have a more scripted structure because I think that the 11 player base is unique that in that they're a little bit more sophisticated sometimes than um, some other games they're willing to stick out like a lot of failure in order to succeed <laughs> mm. which in the game the age of like flappy bird and <laughs> candy crush isn't necessarily the case when you're talking about other mainstream games. Right. Um, I mean, those are obviously extremes, but uh, I, I, speak, speaking of, I played. have you played Angry Birds Epic, They're the RPG? No, there's an RPG? Uh-huh, it came out like a couple weeks ago. I, like, I just, side note here, how amazing would it have been to have developed that freaking game? Oh, that man. guy, like, he has his, like, great-grandkids college probably paid for by now if he hasn't spent it all on, like, a list of drugs. That's not just one guy. That was a company. I mean, they were a small company, but it was a company that made that game. Yeah. But still, yeah, I get get what you're saying. Um, But yeah, so I played the RPG yesterday, which is, to its credit, insanely fun. Um, But... What I noticed and what I did not like about it was that it was the, I mean, like, I haven't gotten past the first world, but I've gotten past where you get your first or your second party member. Uh um, And it still feels like I'm playing a tutorial. And I feel like that goes hand in hand with, like, scripted, like, gameplay, you know? Um, it's a turnoff for me, like too much of it. Like when you think about Super Mario Brothers, the original, what was amazing about that was you were just thrown in. You were, you were thrown in, but in a really like delicate way. Like you start off, there's nothing on the screen, nothing intimidating, you know, uh, or anything you're, you're positioned on the left. And if you try to go to the left, you clearly understand that the point of the game is to go to the right. And then the first creature that you see is a Goomba who's moving slowly toward you and has an angry expression on its face. And you learn pretty quick if you touch it that you'll die. So don't touch angry looking creatures. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's just designed in a way that guides you along without being in your face like Angry Birds Epic, which is literally like before you it lets you play, it's it shows you a diagram of like with an icon of a finger of like click here and drag here to select enemy target instead of just letting you figure it out. Yeah. It's just uh, I don't know, what do you think? I don't know. Like I sort of mulling around at five or six o'clock in the morning, I don't remember what time I sort of like had this sort of epiphany of a topic kind of just pop into my brain. But I sort of related it back to a little bit of our discussion the other week where um, we were talking about the decline of the MMO state. And so I'm curious, which you've clearly proven uh, my uh, next statement incorrect, if uh, this is mostly sort of um, a phenomenon found within the MMO sort of genre the scripted fight because you are playing with multiple people. I mean, it's not like you're going to end up seeing scripted races in Mario Kart, which is insanely fun, by the way, if you haven't played that one yet. Um, And it seems as though the more people that are involved, the lower the kind of 
I guess, intelligence quotient that's required to play the game sort of is, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know what my, you know what my problem with, with overscripting fights is? Mm-hmm. Is that it begins to feel like a ride at an amusement park rather than an interactive game. Yes. I think there's a certain level of immersion that's lost. Yeah. Uh, and that's the reason that I primarily still play Final Fantasy XI with my free time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. But yeah, so that was just a fun little thought that I was thinking about uh, game-wise earlier. Uh, Who's your favorite it, Mega Man boss? Go. Um, I haven't played Okay, it and that yet. has been Joe's favorite Mega Man bosses. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like, I haven't played... Have I played... I, I'm sure I have at some point. Like, I think I had a SNES or an S sometime during my childhood where I did play Mega Man to some degree, but I haven't played did, it. Did you ever play the, the Mega Man RPG on PlayStation? No, I played the one on N64. That's probably the same the, one. It's the 3D one where yeah. you run around the town and everything's really, really foggy and the yeah. drops. Yeah. No, I played that. And I think, um, was Eggman in that one? Eggman? Like, Eggman? What's that? You're thinking of Sonic. I am. I am a terrible human being. Please write me hate mail at Moroku at PetFoodBeta. No, Eggman. <laughs> yeah, that's the email address. My plugs are terrible. I have had no coffee. I am an terrible human being right now but that's yeah. okay well, let's move on to emails yeah because that was a segue kind of sort of <laughs> but yeah if you have any thoughts on this give us an email so we have two emails this week um one is from giant guy on asura oh my god that's my server if you see me say hi <laughs> uh he says or she i'm assuming he if his name is giant guy we don't judge uh, loving the new energy to have brought back to the show. Thank you. I just quit after the release of the Adeline expansion. Uh, I've been playing. I've been planning on coming back to 11 for a little while now. Could you please tell me and others thinking of coming back briefly on the changes that we have missed out on? So, uh, yeah. First of all, if you haven't already, check out the first episode of Pet Food Beta um, after the last episode of Pet Food Alpha. Which is still, you know, relatively current as of like, I don't know, we did it in April, so two and a half, three months ago. Is it three months already? Yeah. Jeez. Um, and in that episode, we did a, basically like a nine month recap of basically from when Adeline, soon after Adeline was released, I think. Mm. So that that's a pretty cohesive recap. Um, but I guess just kind of some. Some big things that have changed is that item levels are a thing now, and they go up to 119, so the level cap is still level 99, but your gear can go past it, and they basically vomit stats all over it to accommodate for that. Um, Your artifact and relic gear can be upgraded from initially from level 109, and then again to 119, so there's your job-specific equipment. Um, higher tier battlefields from the storylines have been added with worthwhile drops, so stuff like Divine Might, Tenzin, Shadow Lord, and all that stuff, um, which is something fun to do and sort of one of the you know popular low man uh, things that people do. Records of Eminence is a new system where you can basically set a bunch of objectives and obtain bonus rewards for doing them, and there a lot of them are repeatable. So that's a good way for returning players to um, uh, kind of catch up quickly with like decent-ish gear, and then uh, oh, every event that you may have done 
has been kind of made so you can do it with one person now, yes. more or less. Yeah. So Dynamis, uh, although I guess that you said that you went after Adlin release. Yeah, so. Dynamis was overhauled yeah. pretty long ago. Um, but yeah, Salvage, Meeble Burrows, so, all that stuff you can enter solo. Storyline, Battlefields you can enter solo. Um, home points have been added everywhere. And the weapon skills have been totally adjusted. And there's a lot of other stuff that yeah. we just can't cover all in one little segment. So yeah, uh, hopefully that um, it gives you a little overview. And like I said, check out the other episodes of <laughs> Food Beta where we talk more about that in detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a second email. This one is from Fitzwilliam again. And hey, Fitzwilliam. <laughs> and he has a couple more questions. So he writes... If you get level 99, which gear should you get? Uh, so we started talking about this with his previous email. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he goes on to say he doesn't want to know necessarily specifics for every job, but more like what sets you should strive for. So like, you know, do you get Baylet uh, or Bald gear or Records of Eminence? Um, what is kind of the, the way to do this? And actually wrote some notes before the show on how to answer this articulately. Art, of course, I butchered the one word that... We're just both like Amy Winehouse on a bad day right now. Isn't she dead? Exactly. Okay. You can't get much worse than that. <laughs> um, so, a couple of notes I had um, to answer this to the best of my ability. Um, I would say, and feel free to jump in um, if you have... Um, other thoughts. Okay. Uh, I feel like Records of Eminence is the best way to get started, and it's the easiest higher-level gear that, to obtain. Um, it There's three sets, like a lot of these gear sets, so that you've got your light armor, heavy armor, and magic sets. And I don't think there's any job-specific qualities about any of these. There, there's some refe- refresh on some pieces and magic attack bonus on others. And One thing I will say about the Records of Eminence gear, there's a lot of evasion stuff. Mm-hmm. So if uh, you do end up using that gear, it's mostly, it's very good defensive gear, but uh, and they have a lot of stat vomit on them, but they don't have things like attack or accuracy. Or double attack or anything like that, yeah. Yeah, so it's really good, like, baseline gear if you have nothing else it is the equivalent of the pearl teal and pink sets from abyssia precisely for eye level 117 yes um and then i would think the next thing up from there that you'd want to get because the, the records of eminence gear will get you to the point where you can do um colonization reeves and even some wildkeeper reeves and stuff like that and from there, you'll be able to get your bailed or bald gear, which is, in most cases, a little bit better. And in some rare cases, um, best in slot for weird things like magic attack bonus pants for Blue Mage and Ninja. <laughs> I would almost say, um, in lieu of that gear, go for the skirmish gear, I would say. Because I think that's like, what, 113, 115, something like that, right? Yeah, the, the I would NQ. say, yeah. I would say the NQ skirmish gear is arguably better just because of the prominence of double attack and stuff on some pieces. Yeah, um, and you get stored TP and, and uh, with, the records the aug- of eminence gear, yeah. With the augments that you can do with the skirmish pieces, you get stuff like um, damage taken, you know, reductions, you get um, magic accuracy, bonus, yeah, magic, magic attack damage. Bonus, yep. Yeah, no, so I would say the skirmish gear is 
probably going to be better in some capacity, but you're going to need the records of evidence here to do it. Yep. So just it, and also you can enter skirmish solo now, from what I understand, right? Yes. You can, although it's going to be a pain just because, well, yeah, I think all of them are still going to be a pain to do solo because there's yeah. a lot of running around or with like the your shield wield one it's going to be hard to kill everything quickly with just yourself right um but, but you can you can try it yeah uh and then i think after that is when you'll want to start focusing on your your artifact and relic um reforged gear because that's going to be specific to every job that you've got uh, and in a lot of cases it's going to be the best or pretty close to the best yeah very similar to how um, Abyssia was when they released the Empyrean gear yeah. uh, a lot of that gear really is sort of the best um, that you can wear also they will be releasing I believe in one of their dev tracker notes from either this past week or the week before they had mentioned that they will be shortly implementing the um, upgraded Empyrean gear Yep. So keep a lookout for that. Man, I can't wait for that set bonus. Oh my god, it's going to be so great. I, I might start playing Paladin again. I think probably the thing that I'm most excited about for that is uh, the White Mage body with oh, uh, Enhanced the Flood of Solace, because I think right now it's like an extra oh, right, yeah. like 25% or 30% on your cures, on your like a cure skin. And if that went up to like 50 I would be a happy panda. Yeah, I mean, you know what the set bonus is on the Paladin set? It's a uh, damage taken down minus M to D, right? Something like that. No, it occasionally absorbs damage taken. So if you've got five out of five, know. sometimes you get hit and recover. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I like the summoner one is awesome too because that's the uh, if you get a blood boom proc, sometimes your packs will do like double damage. You know what I hope they do for Geomancer and Rune Fencer for huh. for this, since obviously they don't have an Empyrean set. Do they have a set bonus though on one of their gear set things? Mm-hmm. Do they? Nope. Hmm. Um, what I hope they do is they give us a new Abyssio Zone in Adeline. <laughs> but I know that won't happen. No. Like, I remember back in the day uh, where people were really hoping that they would do like a dynamis of um, like the jungles. Oh, God. That would have been amazing, and you know what? I mean, Abyssia or Dynamis in some of the dungeon zones could be interesting. Yeah, I could see that. Um, anyway, that's a, that's a whole other topic for another place yeah. in time. That'll be the fan fiction episode. <laughs> Actually, that's a really good idea. Yeah, what uh, what could they do? Oh, my Just God. Just wild speculation or, and or suggestions. Okay, um, they could totally do. Um, they could have expanded the entire prison underground of uh, the chateau. They could have made it so that was sort of like part prison, part labyrinth, with like even more deadly monsters there. And those monsters like break out, and then they just sort of start terrorizing Sandoria. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Like, did you do you remember seeing that? Um, there was a post again dating myself on killing Ifrit years ago and um so there was this person and he used an illicit method of transportation to move uh his character from where virtra spawned up in a uh, king rampart's tomb back to the surface now for those of you that don't know virtra spawns in the giant hole and within that hole you know there's a bunch of skeletons and stuff but you know i don't think i think this was before the worms had a severe amount of draw in so virtra just 
flew up top and was in the level like 15 leveling area <laughs> because it was directly above it. That's and it funny. Just, and since it technically was still at its spawn point, just at a different Z-axis, it didn't really move. It just sort of chilled there. That's hilarious. Yeah, and I think that if they just sort of put Vertra in like Sandoria when it was super populated back in like 2006, it would have been hilarious. That's one of the things that I thought that campaign sort of did right, where they had the main cities get attacked by monsters. Yeah, I love that. Crystal. Yeah, I love that. But the thing is that, you know, it was just, it was never really utilized to its maximum potential. Yeah. So. Um, but that would have been really cool. Or um, you know, I vaguely remember a couple of years ago when they added the new test server that they did an event in Juno that involved fighting. Do you, what? Remember, no, do you remember anything about that? No. I might be mixing something up, but I, I seem to remember like that they had gubus like walking around in Juno that you could attack. As, like, they were gi- no, you know, I remember they were giants. I think, right? I don't no, know. That's, no, that's a cutscene in Wings of the Goddess. I remember the cutscene, yeah. Yeah, that's a cutscene in Wings of the Goddess, so I don't know. Um, but, uh, anyway. Yeah, no, but there's also um, an event right before Wings of the Goddess came out where uh, they had, like, Beastman King dudes or whatever sort of pop around and there were home point crystals that just spawned in like the mines and Gideas and stuff and you had to go and click on those to get something and it was like a little bit of the crystal story war or something you just reminded me of, of something uh, yeah. I don't think we talked about this last episode stop me if we did Okay. speaking of Beastman Kings you know the Velk yeah there is a quest that was added, not with this past update, but the one before it, where you get to see the Velk Beastman King. Ooh. You don't fight him, and you Yet. only see him like from the side and the back, sort of. But he's definitely got a unique character model, and he sits on that gigantic throne in Mariami Ravine. So uh, I'll keep the storylines spoiler-free if you decide to do those quests, but interesting where they're going with it. Okay. A side note on that. You know what I would really love to see? What? I would really love to see World um, NMs again. Yeah. Because we haven't had those since Wings of the Goddess, and those were always fun. I feel like everybody talks about that in the forums and my link shell. and every, I feel like that's the th- major thing lacking in Adol. And as, as much I, I as I'd like, I like the expansion, um, I just feel like the lottery, even just the lottery spawn NMs is like just the, the, the one, not even ones that are camped for stuff, just like things that like drop a weird accessory or whatever Mm. like that's always something that's fun you're in a zone that you're not normally in and you see a monster with a weird name it turns out to be an nm and you get like some odd thing from it you know i mean there's like no reason to go out and kill stuff there that's the main thing unless you're a rune fencer doing the ergon weapon quests and then you have I'm assuming you are, right? Yeah, I'm on my. I'm actually on my last, second to last coalition. Neato. to rank legend, um, and I'm at the second to last rank in that coalition. So I might, cool. I might have a uh, mythic equivalent rune fencer sword here in a couple months. Groovy. Uh, anyway, uh, we're not finished with this email. Um, oh God, that's right. We're in the middle of an email. Oh, we're in the middle of an email. Sorry. The the other thing he goes on to ask about is paladin, and he asks. Uh, do you need an Aegis? Aegis? Aegis. Aegis, yeah, Aegis. Uh, an Aegis or an O-Chain as a paladin, or is there another good shield you can look for which might help getting the other ones? So here's the deal with paladins and shields. Feel free to correct me if this information is not correct. Yeah. Um, 
because I'm certain that it's not 100% it's, accurate. I'd say it depends on your server and the population of the server and how poop-headedy they want to be. Well, so here's but, so here's the thing. So here's the, yeah. here's the deal. A year ago, yes, you needed an Aegis or Ochain for hard content, I think. Um, but nowadays, the shield skill that's added from some of the new shields and the magic damage taken from the skirmish one um, really closes the gap on the stuff before. And specifically, like, an O-Chain on level 99 mobs with about as much shield skill plus as you could get would potentially achieve a 100% block rate. I think everybody knows that, which is why the O-Chain is, like, godly, you know? But with the new content, and here's what I don't think a lot of people understand, is that with the new content, as the monster levels go up, the O-Chain block rate goes down. Mm -hmm. And the same thing applies to the Aegis, which, if you don't know, is a size 5 shield and has a pretty decent block rate at level 99 content, but with 125 level monsters. The Aegis actually rarely blocks and is used more just as a magic damage taken piece and less as an, a useful shield at all because <laughs> um, that was one of the first things I noticed when I got my Aegis I was like oh the block rate on this is like actually pretty good um, but in Adelin, that's not true anymore. Mm. Uh, and since you cannot uh, item level 119 those, at least yet, even though they said they're not going to, I think they might have to change that. Um, what you end up with is a situation where you can have some of these other shields that are available um, that may not give you the, you know, the, the raw damage taken or the straight up... Um, block rate increase but they add things like a hundred and whatever love you know plus uh shield skill which you don't get with the aegis or the o-chain so uh i don't know um here's what it all comes down to really though is whether or not the new shields are actually more effective than the relic and empyrean shields um, it may not actually matter because the real issue is that players may not view the Delver skirmish shields as viable alternatives to Aegis and Ochain and may still refuse a paladin to join their group that doesn't have those. <laughs> so. In other words, people suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it, the, One of the sort of things that I kind of see um, and this is just sort of my own sort of uh, prejudice opinion and does not reflect the poorly on the corporate values of Gamerscape.com, yeah, yada yada but um the way that i sort of see it is if you're a paladin and you want to be a paladin you should put forward the effort to probably get one of the shields because they're still useful for lower level content which is used you know fairly frequently and if you are you know dedicated to paladin and i'm going to let you pretty much more or less i don't know if this is still sort of the same um attitude of uh players but if i'm going to let like the tank kind of get like more or less the first picket gear if it drops then i want to make sure that that person is dedicated to that job and they like that job and they're good at the job and i think that uh things like the o-chain and the aegis make the job a little bit easier so there's a little bit less stress on the paladin while they're actually doing it oh yeah totally yeah and so it makes them thus consequentially or consequently better at their job in the long run and uh things like relic weapons for example like uh if you're a paladin you should probably have something that's around 119 or so as a weapon whether or not that's um an excalibur 
Excalibur or Bird Gang, uh, and O-Chain helps getting them because you're farming lower-level content. So That's a valid you, point, yeah. Yeah, so if you plan on doing anything really that requires um, gear that goes through an upgrading process, so you've got uh, Relic gear or Artifact gear that's up to you know 119 now and you're doing lower level content the shields help a lot because the increased block rate makes it so you can solo stuff because of just the way that your shield mastery stuff mumbo jumbo works for your tank you know how it works more than i do because i just heal you but there's a certain degree where the shields help you more than they help other people and you can argue how much you want to sort of help yourself if that makes sense i speak kind of schizophrenically about gear sometimes but there you go. More or I less, think, I think people it, suck. Big up yourself. Yeah, I think uh, bottom line is that the the newer shields that are out there are pretty viable alternatives in the for the most part for new content. Um, mm. The main issue that you're going to have is that not everybody sees it that way, and so people who are creating groups, unless you're the one creating the group, people who are creating groups um, may not be aware of that necessarily, and still just might not take a paladin who doesn't have them. So <laughs> in that case, then yeah, <laughs> you still need them. Um, yeah. But I, my my personal opinion is that uh, you can really get some killer augments on the like the skirmish shield and stuff like that and have a pretty decent alternative as much as it pains me to say it to um an aegis so there's that um plus you can use it on samurai and red mage and beastmaster i think if you really want to because samurai are totally one-handed weapons (laughs) yeah right um And the last part of his email says that, can you bring in a back in the day segment where Moroku talks about old stuff like Red Mages were tanks? That was pretty interesting. Do you think Red Mages will have a comeback? I think yes and yes. Well, and yes. already had a chief because I dated myself at least four times during this. And you can tell that I'm dating myself because of my age and the number of strokes I had this episode while trying to speak. <laughs> so you're gonna say you can tell you're dating yourself because of how much you love yourself oh please if i yeah that's i yeah daytime television censorship there we go anyway um but yeah red mage i don't know yes ish kind of it's kind of like they were treated so well and they were abused for so long i don't know Somebody, I have, tr- I have trust issues with Square Enix when it comes to some of my favorite jobs. So I think somebody yeah. was telling me way back in the day, um, like at, at launch, like not North American launch, but like Japanese launch, Red Mage was like the main job that people played. It was like you'd get a party, an XP party together, and it would be red one Red Mage sub War, one mid, Red Mage sub White Mage, one Red Mage sub. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. Red Mage has been one of the most popular jobs in the entirety of Final Fantasy. I mean, and freaking Final. Final Fantasy One, you could go through with an entire party of Red Mages. Yeah, but uh, no, I think with Red Mage, they're probably not going to be able to tank again, just because of the way the hate works. They won't ever be main healers again because Scholar is just so much better at being um, a hybrid healer, and White Mages is just really nice for big gears. Um, they don't have enough access to gear for magic damage nuking, um, and that just kind of leaves them with enfeebling because melee really, you know, if you want a melee mage, blue mage is going to be a superior option. So they're sort of left in this weird middle ground where, yeah, they could potentially pull out a sword and melee now that they've got decent swords with good magic attack or magic accuracy skill on them, but. 
they're just, you know, they're a little bit aloof and kind of in the middle yeah, I mean, ground. And they're nice. And I, I think, think he, I think haste two will probably help out with stuff because it means that you don't always need a bard and you could have like a red mage and a corsair, which would be amazing. So amazing. Yes, amazing. Yeah, which could be that. Wow, that's low even for you. And um, they've got a couple unique debuffs now too. So I, yeah, I think you know, uh, or like a couple the, more because they already have you know bio three and paralyzed two and slow bio three two. is garbage. Well, and technically the ice spike paralyzed is more potent than paralyzed two at base. Okay, but um, yeah, no, I think that uh, now that they have the debuff that lowers the mob evasion by like two hundred or something like that. Well, I, here's I the definitely see me used. Here's the problem. I think is mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, you'll see red mages used like one for an alliance of eighteen, but the problem is there's not a whole lot of eighteen person content anymore. So, well, I think in that case that just means that red mage would be utilized even more if you have a party of six. Oh, that's true. It goes back to what you were saying about you could take a red mage in lieu of a, a corsair yeah. or a bard. Yeah, I guess yeah. that makes sense. Because I mean, when I think about it, like it's the game is shifting to a lot of sort of hybrid roles now. It started out, I would say probably with, um, I think probably Corsair was the first sort of real, real hybrid job. I mean, summoners there, but they need a couple more things before they're, I would consider them a true hybrid job, but you've got Corsair, which is a support job and also does really, really good DD. And then you get something like scholar along where it's an excellent healer and excellent nuker in its own right. But then, but you have, you're forced to shift between the two and there has to be a conscious shifting. You can't just do it very fluidly. Yeah. Um, I think um, that, and in a good way, I think that uh, uh, Square Enix is, is moving in a direction to where jobs are going to fall in the DD spectrum, the tank spectrum, the healing spectrum, and the support spectrum. And be interchangeable. Right. Uh, and I think that's good with how many jobs there are. Well, something that I think that few people ever actually realize is that all the content square designs can be beaten with a party of the original six jobs. I never thought about that. That's interesting. Yeah. No, because you've got tank and warrior. You have two support jobs in red and white. You have thief, which essentially you could argue is a melee support job now. Monk, arguably an off tank or just a straight DD. Then you've got black mage and that's it, right? That's six, right? Yeah. It's a white mage, right? Yeah, I think it did. Because I put that under like support. And I think that with when you like look at it like that, where you've got two DDs, a DD pseudo support hate management thing, a tank, and then two support jobs, that's pretty much the exact same structure that we've got now. Just you interchange the jobs for things that sort of suit your favor. Yeah. I mean, for me at least, like if I'm afraid of doing party content with a party of six, I never on white mage. I'm always on scholar just because it's much easier to regen six people and then cast tier one spells because then I don't have to rely on other people's damage and stuff if they're tired or whatever. So, but yeah, anyway, back to Red Mage. Um, I think that it's sort of going back to the role that it was designed to be, where it's a hybrid job, it's supposed to be a jack of all trades, master of none, and like I'll play it if I get the chance to, but there are very few good red mages around because you need to at least have the dedication to make every single gear set humanly possible to be as efficient as possible. Especially with red mages, they don't get like stratagems or anything natively. Yep. Uh, and just to answer the other question, the, the back in the day segment, we are still planning on doing a nostalgia show. So I don't think it'll be necessarily a segment, but it'll be a special themed show where we talk more about 
how stuff used to be and maybe bring back some old pet food alpha hosts. Yes. Um, as opposed to the current news happening right now. Um, yeah. So, so don't we don't have a time frame for that yet, but uh, please look forward to it. <laughs> um, that takes us to in-game. Doesn't sound like you've been doing much in the game. I have been kind of balls deep in the 2.3 update for 14. So uh, the truth comes out. Yeah, well, like, I've been messing around in a lot of it also during my off time, but just, you know, if there's an update that hits, I kind of play the crap out of it for a couple of days. Yeah, I surprisingly haven't checked out the 14 update yet. Um, I was... Well, you know where you can get all of that great information? <laughs> where? Uh, well, you can get it on the Gamer Escape... Not the Gamer Escape podcast, it's the... Aetherite Radio. That's right. Sorry, Fusion. Yeah, you can check out any of your Final Fantasy 14 information on Aetherite Radio, which is hosted on... Uh, Gamerscape.com, the Fusion and uh, that crew, mm-hmm. the sexy, sexy people. Um, yeah, I, you know, I was, I was curious when it came out what I was going to do. Was I going to check 14 out first or 11 first? I haven't checked 14 out yet since 2.3 came out. So. Let's just say that that's sort of what inspired the pattern uh, discussion earlier. The what? The pattern uh, fighting discussion thing earlier. Let's oh. just say that that kind of inspired it to an extent. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, I'm psyched to check it out, though. I love yeah, the, no. the main scenario stuff in 14. So. Yeah, but now that I haven't been playing 11 that much recently. Well, I have, and let me tell you. Uh, okay, what have you been doing? More of the same. I've already pretty much talked about everything I've been doing in-game, which is more of the coalition stuff yep. um, and the uh, the Adeline quests which I think I've done almost all of them now and uh, I did the Shadow Lord fight hopefully I'll get to try the um, the Mithra fight soon um, and that's about it I got um, I've been working on my my rune fencer gear just to like totally get ready for the mythic equivalent and I have I think I mentioned I got my defending ring oh no I you didn't mention that I don't think so well I, I did might, well I hate you <laughs> um so finally got that which is awesome and then I just buckled and decided I'm going to spend whatever it, it costs to get a flume belt which I've never gotten as a drop in walk of echoes nice um which if you don't know that's the the minus 4% damage taken uh, or physical damage taken belt for a lot of otherwise light armor jobs that also converts some of the damage taken to MP so it's um, kind of you know best damage taken waste um, that you can get on Rune Fencer. So and I now officially have minus fifty five percent physical damage taken with my job specific great sword, which will then be negative seventy five percent physical damage taken when I eventually complete the mythic equivalent. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. Groovy. Um, and oh, you know what I was doing the other day or today actually mm. just randomly um i I, keep forgetting that you're three hours ahead of me i'm like today it's 11 o'clock in the morning what are you talking about (laughs) um today i was doing which this is all i did today really for whatever reason i decided to go out to czik battlegrounds and just see if i could fight the t2 um grasshopper nm 
Yeah. And I could, and I beat it. And I ended up doing a over 10k demediation weapon skill on it. Is that the Great Spire weapon skill for Rune Defensor? Yeah. Wow. 10k. I was like, what? <laughs> huh. I think, like, I've gotten, like, I think I got, like, an 11k, maybe, like, a 10k Vito Heener, maybe. So, it's cool. But I just attributed that to, like, the magic damage stuff. And it was on, like, freaking squirrel mob or whatever it is rabbit squirrel so, mob I don't know whatever um it's furry don't make me start quoting glorious bastards with the rat versus the squirrel speech okay so yeah anyway anyway um that's about it for in game and mm-hmm. plugs you can twitter at us <laughs> uh just kidding. You can tweet at us at PetFoodBeta, and you can email us at PetFoodBeta at GamerEscape.com, and you can wiki at us. <laughs> uh, you can you can contribute to the Gamer Escape wiki, which is still active. Uh, I know some people didn't think it was, but it is. Um, so check out wiki.gamerescape.com, and... I think that's it, unless you got anything else you want to plug. Nothing I can think of. All right, well, um, thank you for joining us yet again on another exciting episode of Pet Food Beta. And uh, I'm BB. I'm Maroku. Thanks for putting up with my shenanigans. <laughs> no, and no. lack of words, because those are apparently not important to me. And we'll catch you next time. Bye!